Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Bryant. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people struggling with STI stigma to mental health resources. I got two guests in here today, y'all. And one's Katie. Katie, say hi. Hi. Yep, there it was. You did it. That was the accent. (laughs) That was the accent. And then we got Lori. Hey. And that was a stoner, seductive. You, you did that one on purpose. But I can tell my voice is going to be lower. Oh, okay. So, All right. It's just one of those days. So as you continue to hit that pin, is it going to just go more? I like, think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome surfer stuff. Um, <laughs> so I'm Courtney Bray, and I've had herpes for about eight years. I do not know where I got it from. I, Actually, I think I do. I'm in the process of figuring out if Ooh. that's the case. I feel like a fucking detective. Yeah. So, yeah. How um, do you go about discovering that eight years later? So, I started this podcast when I first found that there were communities of people who were living with herpes. And when I got there, people were wanting to kill themselves and talked about it like publicly wanting to kill themselves because of it. And uh, never... Not once did it register to me to make this connection that perhaps uh, one of my exes who tried to kill herself might have tried to kill herself for that reason. And then like a light bulb recently went off. And when I say recently, I mean 2021. (laughs) And I was like, damn, maybe that was it. And so uh, I reached out to her on a social media platform and Mm -hmm. said, hey, and we're in the process of like making small talk and seeing how people are. And then I'm hit her with that, bam, because she asked, she's like, yeah, I see you got your business. And I was like, I wonder which one she's inquiring on. So you don't know if she knows anything about your No idea, no. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting next couple of days. You know, it's possible to give someone herpes without knowing that you yourself have it. You know I know that. (laughs) So I'm curious in this, if you do get to a conversation and maybe she didn't know at the time. Or maybe she doesn't even have it. That's so yeah. That's so true. But, yeah, I just, I never cared about where it came from until I recently had that epiphany of, damn, well, what if dot, dot, dot? Because then that would make a much more, like, rational reasoning behind why I felt so compelled to respond to suicide the way that I have and if that is the case I'm like I owe her a fucking dinner or something (laughs) for things having gotten to where they are now Um, and I really I'm genuinely curious to know if if she's willing to revisit that time and see like of course how far she's come and everything but looking at her social media looks like things are good looks like she's aware she's in much much better place than she was um, during that time that she and I were engaging with one another is probably the best way to put it um so yeah uh, well, was her attempt during the time you were with her or prior so we were together in high school and we reconnected while i was in college okay so it it might have been at that period of reconnection that that occurred and like yeah light bulb just went off randomly one day Mm -hmm. when I was uh, probably taking a shower you know how you just had the most random epiphanies and you'd be like oh I need to write this down before I lose it I didn't need to write this one down because I was just (laughs) like damn what if that is true Um, 
So yeah, that's what, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. And everyone that I asked around the time that I was diagnosed told me no. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, somebody could have lied, obviously, right. or someone could have just not known. Yeah. But I feel like at this point, because I'm still to some extent connected to all of those people, I feel like they would have reached out or mm-hmm. said something, or es- maybe not. Especially, I mean, your status is out there. Yeah. Yeah. So. So if they would just be like, hey, uh, I heard that one episode I saw this post and if I gave it to somebody, I thought they'd be like, hey, you gave me herpes, motherfucker. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I have expected. Mm-hmm. So when I reached out to everybody that I think uh, I was with around the time of my diagnosis, I was just kind of like relieved. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm yeah. not that dude that's running around here giving everybody herpes. Because that was probably what I was most afraid of right. more than anything. Mm-hmm. So when I had that relief, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm good. I'll go deal with this however I deal with it. Um, what about you, Katie? Um, my story is a little different. I was actually in a relationship when I was diagnosed. Um, we'd been together about six months and, um, yeah, I was devastated, but, um, I had a little comfort, I guess, because I felt like I have someone already in a sense and he was very accepting of it. But my first question was like, did I get this from him? Um, And I say he was accepting of it, but he wasn't willing to be tested. He wasn't open to that. And his reasoning was, well, my doctor is like our family doctor, and I don't, but I'm like, you know, they're not going to. That's who needs to know the most. Right, I mean, I'm like, they're not going to, like, tell your brothers or your parents that, you know, you've come in for this. Like, but that was his reasoning. And at the Mm -hmm. time, I just wasn't educated enough about everything that was involved to kind of push push it because now when I look back on it I'm like man I could have said no you got to do that I mean there's so many ways you don't have to go to your family doctor um but I didn't I just didn't know enough at the time but um how long ago was that that was nine years ago okay yeah so we stayed together um another four and a half years with never knowing if he um had it or not pretty much um which was difficult for me because I always still carried that worry of was I going to transmit transmit to him um so yeah that was difficult and just not knowing you had symptoms yes yeah like and he bad claim he never seemed to have any. he said he'd never experienced anything like that he did tell me that yeah, but my. And were y'all two? Were y'all exclusive? We were exclusive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And there was no reason to think that there were any outside activities with each other or without no, each other. No, we had like quite a good trusting relationship, right. and I never would have. I mean, I believe I I could trust and believe yeah. him, and. That's wild, because uh, that is, that's something that happens. Like it happens where people are in a relationship, and these are the experiences that typically people don't hear they think Mm -hmm. that oh you you must not have been in a relationship or you must not be faithful they uh, they associate uh stis getting herpes with having sex with multiple people the quantity of partners rather than it just being a matter of 
not knowing or understanding that this is how it happens and that the most common symptom of an SCI is no symptom at all. So not knowing and also not being tested for it. Because did you know that you weren't tested for it at all? No, and that's interesting that you say that because that was another point I wanted to make. Prior to he and I being together, I was single. And so I like got, you know, I was kind of out on the dating scene again. And I did go to my doctor and ask, I'd like to be tested for everything. I had um, been in a relationship with someone that I found out had done a lot of lying. And so I immediately, once that was over, wanted to be tested for everything. Um, And I thought that I was, but I didn't realize until I was diagnosed because of having symptoms that she did not test me for HSV um, because, as we know, it's, it's not typically part of the standard panel. And um, when I went back to her with all of my symptoms, she was like, oh, I." she felt actually bad that she hadn't tested me previously because she was like, we don't know. You know, we don't know when this happened and we just tested you for everything like six months ago. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, and so... Fortunately, that relationship was a healthy one. What ended it? Um, well, oh gosh, it was, I feel like it probably should have ended a lot sooner than it did. And we just, well, we both kind of hung on, but I think I hung on for the fact that I felt like for a long time, I felt like I would never find anyone else. Like I was like, well, he accepts me. And I really, I literally thought that no one else would ever accept me and I would that I'd be alone and never have a family like I for the rest of my life and a lot of the time that I stayed with him was because of that Mm -hmm. Um, there were so many other things going on that just kind of were pulling us apart we just weren't a good match Um, he was very selfish and I'm kind of the opposite and it was just affecting us in a lot of ways but I was holding on because Mm -hmm. I was like He's the only one that's going to want me, Yeah, which I have now, you know, found out is very untrue. But how did it go after it ended to, I found out while in the relationship, held on to it because of possibly that factor. Mm -hmm. And then how did you pick up dating? Like right after that, like, was that really tricky for you? Um, I started Googling like, you know, dating or how do you like find someone if you haven't well herpes specifically mm-hmm. and um a specific you know site comes up yeah and, um, that one yeah that one <laughs> and uh actually i know that some people have good experiences some people don't but for me it gave me my first sense of ah oh, there's other people out there like right. me it's kind of that sense of community and even though i might not have met um like a good match for me immediately that way, it at least started to make me feel like I was normal. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't felt that in five years almost because I didn't talk about it with anyone until I was kind of forced to because now I was single and alone. And um, so, yeah, that was pretty much. Um, you went it, You went right back out there to just find someone that had the same situation as you so how was dating outside of the situation yeah because I've done that too um 
I will say that I have had more positive experiences disclosing to non-H um, people than I have had negative. Um, absolutely. I mean, definitely. I think only one person has been like, acted kind of all freaked out. And I, honestly, I feel like a lot of it had to do with the way that I did it. It wasn't the right, like, I know there's not necessarily like a right, right, perfect time, but you can kind of set some situations up more appropriately than I had done but it was kind of like the first time and it just freaked him out kind of but I, I think it was more like my approach yeah, yeah I think we all experience like some understanding to the people that aren't interested in pursuing us because of this and why this is a deal breaker I think we it, it hurts to be rejected but at the same time I think it's also okay for it to be a deal breaker. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's that person's choice, I mean. Mm-hmm. And then now, like, you found community, um, and this is, like, become family, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of, that's why we're all three here. Um, there was a family social event, however we want to word it, mm-hmm. uh, here over the weekend. We got to go to a blog, a blog, a bar, uh, <laughs> And just socialize, just have drinks, chat, reconnect with people, uh, given the nature of the groups, having connected people virtually, uh, I think that a lot of friendships and bonds and relationships are built, and then people get to solidify those in person when we get to be around each other. We can just eat together, dance together, play together, um, Mm -hmm. and did we dance? Did I say dance? Yes. All right, cool. Uh, it got a little competitive with the sports, though. Yeah, I'm like, I'm legit training for flag football in June. I'm like, that is how I'm working out. I'm doing this insanity shit, not because I oh. care to look good, but I need endurance. Ah. So if I got to carry the team on my back, I'm going to carry it. Maybe uh, I better start. Hey. About that. <laughs> um, now, Katie, you shared your experience. Laurie, what was yours in the beginning? Um, I was coming straight out of what I would call... Straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. <laughs> I was coming straight out of what would be the longest term relationship I've ever had. And I was pretty confused at life at that point. Um, and I don't know where I got it. So... And how long ago was it? That would have been... When you were diagnosed? About two and a half years ago. So it was just two and a half years ago. Yeah. How long have we known each other? I met you maybe a year and a half ago. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And what's wild is that I met you at work mm-hmm. as a client, oh. and later found out. I forgot how you told me about it. Um, I started dating and disclosing, and you had already basically been so open with your com- your your friends and other people in your network that someone that doesn't have it was my resource to you. They're like, I have to connect you with someone that it will just make things easier. Mm-hmm. And that's, oh, that's exactly cool. what happened. So. Damn. Okay. Well, I guess that worked out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, though, like, I guess it goes to speak to how small of a world it is because of 
specifically the situation that happened oh, on Friday. Man. So you are dating, you're dating, uh, you're not exclusively dating people who have herpes. You're dating, you're on dating sites, you meet people out and about, yeah. all of that. So at our event, we were at a bar <laughs> on Friday, we have a small group of us together and we're in the city I live in, St. Louis. I live here, and I've gone to school about two hours away, went to high school here, and I have a lot of people who, I don't want to say, like, they know me or I know them, but, like, at some point maybe we've gone to school together, played sports together, or have mutual friends or something like that. And I've always had this hesitance of wanting to be, like, in physical presence with groups, especially here, because of the likelihood of someone recognizing me being open about my status and me being in this group and then people just feeling uncomfortable. And that's my own shit because after having talked to people, they were like, all right, and so whatever, whatever. But the thing that I was most afraid of happening actually happened to you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, no. That was crazy because... Um, when you show up to these events, you're meeting all new people. Mm -hmm. You don't know quite perfectly. Let me pause this. All right, yeah, the refrigerator had just kicked on, and I needed to turn it off because it would have been a constant buzzing on and off in the background. But um, what we were just saying was the situation that I was most afraid of happening, which was someone recognizing me and making the connection of me being affiliated with the herpes support groups and then being at a herpes support group outing and then uh like someone being outed as a result of it mm -hmm. about their status so go ahead you without using names <laughs> just tell that right. story please I mean, it's because when you show up to these events you've met some people you haven't met a lot of people there's new faces every time there's new people coming so i actually wasn't sure if the person I was kind of finding interest in was part of the group or not, because so many people in the group are also from the St. Louis area. And I think, you know, small town, people just know each other. So St. Louis ain't no small town, though. No, but people go to the <laughs> same colleges. Yeah. There's only so many and circles. I think the older you get, it just seems like some, yeah. some small town. But it's you're right, St. Louis is tend to go to like the same places and parks a lot yeah. right yeah. but um yeah i was sitting down getting to know this guy and things are going smooth i actually didn't tell you too much about this part but it was like we were on both of each other's checklists and i hate that i hate getting excited about something and we haven't had the disclosure conversations and this was not the time i was ever going to disclose you know 30 minutes into meeting someone <laughs> at a bar <laughs> i'm not that drunk for that kind of of disclosure but um yeah it was crazy because they asked me um who i was there with and how i could just be spending so much attention on them without even checking in with friends or anything so what an observation <laughs> you've been sitting here a long time you sure you got friends right. <laughs> you're just kind of sitting here so he's like who who did you come here with and i was like oh yeah that whole group of people in the corner 
yeah, that, you know, I came out here with them, like, uh, a lot of them aren't from this area, and we do a lot of traveling, and he's like, wait, you don't have herpes or something, and I was completely in shock. So, wait, this is the point where I, I got to make this comment. So, me and this guy went to school. We went to college together. We were friends on Facebook. Uh, and I saw him come in. He knows one of the guys that I brought who also went to college with us. I just invited my friend uh, to come. He was just there to support and socialize. So, he saw him, and they were talking. I was like, oh, shit, I haven't seen you in a while. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, blah, blah, blah. I walk off. And then that's probably a crucial bit of information to know uh, why he would have asked if she had herpes. So, all right, go ahead. I mean, once someone talks to three people in the group, I'm going to assume they probably are in the group, but I wasn't certain. So I was still kind of wondering, is he just here at the bar or is he part of the group? You should ask who he was here with. <laughs> and I, he beat me to that great question. I mean, I, I was not prepared at all for this guy that I'm like, oh, he's awesome. He might be in the group. He might not be in the group. And the way he asked the question was just, oh, that was, <laughs> and then that what, was crazy. What was your response? He said, you don't have like herpes or anything. And I was like, actually, I do. And, um, Someone walked up to us right as I answered. <laughs> so it actually took all the pressure away because I didn't have to roll out of that. I, I was going to somehow smooth it over I, whatever way you can. I, I don't know. I don't know. That would have surprised me to the point where I don't know. I don't know where I would have taken it after that. I'd be like, yeah. Mm -hmm. like, I all right. Uh... I have <laughs> this thing I've been saying in disclosures lately. Because I've had so much trial and error on that the last two years. And I've definitely not done it perfectly so many times. But when I tell people, I, I have to already be in the mindset that this doesn't define me at all. And rejection doesn't define me at all either. And having them happen at the same time is hard. We all know it's really hard. But... I tell the person, there's no wrong way to react to this information. You don't even have to react to it right now. And I just stay confident in that. And I just, whether they feel it or not, I do not judge them for considering it a deal breaker. And I, I mm -hmm. kind of mentioned that earlier, but I remember a time when my best friend met someone that had it and I was like, no way I could. That was a deal breaker for me in my early 20s. So, I, I don't know. Just give people time to process it. Because mm -hmm. I think they'll feed off of your fears and your discomfort. And they'll. it's not going to make them be warm to it either. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what you said in there about letting them know that there's no right or wrong way to feel about it. That's a very, uh, that's important to a person to know that it's okay for them to feel however they're going to feel. They may have a negative reaction for a number of reasons. Think about it like they may have it themselves and it's painful 
they may know someone who has it and they understand what they're going through they may know no one who has it and have their assumptions about that or it can be positive because they have it because they know someone and because they're knowledgeable and informed about how to move forward um someone i'm seeing now i actually matched with a year ago on tinder i want to say and the conversation got real hot and heavy fast and i was like i need to go ahead and disclose now so i let her know and she was like ah, that's a little bit of a deal breaker for me i'm a very sexual person and the precautions that you're talking about taking because um, I, I proposed like well there's other ways that we can be with each other if this is a deal breaker for you um she just said that like ultimately what i got out of it was she'd be wanting to explore in a way that would increase the risks so take that however you want i would just say it meant eventually she'd not want to wear condoms so um that interaction ended fast forward 360 something days a year later and i'm on bumble uh and matched with some with her again i didn't know it was her again at that point in time but we're talking and she said something and that's what made me remember and i was like oh so now this time i have to disclose not just that i have herpes but i also have to disclose hey i ain't got no car yeah. <laughs> i sold my car yeah. during the pandemic i disclosed uh that i'm non-monogamous and in a relationship i had to disclose there was something else that i needed to disclose i don't remember what that was but uh and then i disclosed to her that hey i have herpes and the way that I did it this time versus last time, last time it was like almost the equivalent of, because if it weren't for COVID, we might have been in person had, on a date. So I had to text this and just kind of like get it over with pretty quickly. So that would be almost like the equivalent of making out, touching each other and then stopping it and being like, hey, I need to tell you something. I have herpes. And then that being a response. Whereas this time... There was a lot more back and forth dialogue. It was more of a slow thing because of, um, because like the direction of the conversation hadn't gotten sexually charged. So I tell her and then she goes, oh, well, last year she had gone into uh, some class because she's a nurse tech. So she had been through and understood like what HSV was and how it's treated, how it's managed and had, she had a lot more of an understanding now than she did a year ago. And so, like, she and I are still, um, right now, still dating, and shit's good. Like, we are using uh, condoms. We take whatever precautions that we need to. If I'm feeling anything weird going on, then we won't have sex. Like, that'll, that's just what it is. Um, and I think even with COVID right now, I think people are learning more and understanding more about the nature of viruses and are more willing to take precautions but understand that these precautions aren't absolute and that parallels very well with sex because we're talking about like when you look at wearing a mask we're talking about wearing a condom we're mm -hmm. talking about um, social distancing we're talking about having testing, ongoing communication again. with your partners and then yeah like we're testing and then think about when you test positive, mm -hmm. you have to disclose to people that you might have put at risk. So the conversations are, I think, making people a little more um, 
prepared for being able to talk about sex in the same way and talk about our sexual health the same way that we're talking about our overall health. Mm-hmm. But what are you about to say? I've been, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to go back to your comment. When I had to disclose to her, I had to tell her, I don't have a car. I'm non-monogamous. And the funny thing for me is I, I know you pretty well. And for you, it's a negative to tell someone I don't have a car. But when you don't have a car and maybe the general idea of a guy that doesn't have a car, like those aren't the same things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So like I also live down the street from where I work. So it's just practical for me to not have a car. Uh, I get groceries delivered. I got neighbors that are like, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. You want to go? Um, and anywhere else, there's really nowhere else I need to go. Carl lives down the street. I can just walk to his house. Yeah, so Carl lives that way mm-hmm. <laughs> in the house. Uh, but everywhere I need to go, at least during the pandemic, because that was what made me decide to just get rid of it. I was just like, well, it's like a $600 a month expense. I'm not making near as much money as I did in 2019. So this is going to, this got to go. No, I think it it's actually showing some positives about yourself that you didn't want to waste 600 bucks a month on the car thing because your life, if anything, has just gotten better without it. Like, really? When have we not just jumped in an Uber because we're going to drink too much that night? I mean, where are you limited? Yeah, because <laughs> I, yeah, I've driven, I've driven with a lot more alcohol in my system uh, more times than I can count than I should have, for sure. So, yeah, this is, when you look at it in these ways, a much more, because, uh, like, when I think about disclosing that, I also think about it like disclosing herpes, like, oh, shit, this might be a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. And when I say, oh, shit, I got to tell you I ain't got no car, you might have in your mind, I ain't dating nobody else who ain't got no car because I'm not finna be picking them up, taking them all over the place. They're not finna be using my car, taking me to work, dropping me off, making me wait for them. So I see, I see those two parallels here. And in a way, like, that looks like stigma showing up for me in terms of what being a man even looks like. Mm-hmm. How can I be a man and provider if, I'm not, if I don't have a car? And I feel like this is something that's so but guess important what? to disclose. Everyone could feel that way. That's like a common thought. And you're over here saying, I'm okay with not looking like the common whatever should look like. A man needs to have a car. I just feel like it shows your resourcefulness. It shows your intelligence. And I think a lot of us have things that we're paying for that we don't need. And looking for a partner and someone that can actually grow your like finances with you mm-hmm. in the future, like I think it's a total positive. It just depends how it's presented. And with the non-monogamy, non-monogamy thing that you mentioned, you were saying, I have to disclose to her about herpes, the car thing, the non-monogamy. If you really look at that, most of those things are value add things if you look at it the right way and it just narrows your pool of who you should be focusing on because it's not for everybody and that's the hardest part is this can actually help you get to your person better if you aren't rejecting it internally or if you're you know it's like rejecting yourself yeah yeah and that makes me think about other things that people should be disclosing like yeah, I'm saying everything that I'm saying, but what about people who aren't, what are people not disclosing? Like being married or having children mm-hmm. or not wanting children 
are having no intention of staying in the city that they meet the person uh, that they're dating in or if they want to like go a different direction in their career and it also makes me think you know at what point do we get into these things like what are the most important things that you feel like somebody else should disclose you you kind of yeah because it just when you start thinking about all that there's so i mean like there's so many things that we may feel like could be looked at negatively um but yeah no i was just yeah when you really start thinking about things and just like uh laurie said these being more so navigational points Mm -hmm. that shift the direction for you to be able to find your person um because just think about it like connecting the dots you know you follow this path you get to here and it's not the end destination you're being redirected to another dot so a disclosure at that point could lead you not to continue off the path but it's a redirection on the path and before you know it you're looking at the full picture after you've made the final connection from where you started at and it comes back around full it's not a circle i don't know what the shape would be of Mm -hmm. a thing and connected dots but Mm -hmm. you get to the end of it and by the time you're at the end you can scope out and look and be like damn i hit that point that point that point that point and each of these points can be uh obstacles that you've responded to or just consider them to be redirects yeah i mean think about how many people we waste our time with because of our insecurities I heard something the other day that was like, people that break up three years later, usually they break up for the same thing they, like, noticed, like, the first month. Yes. So, I mean, if that's, like, common practice, I know humans are not all that, you know, we're we're all pretty much wired pretty similarly. So, I just, in my own experience... I have like I have to disclose about X Y Z and I feel like it's heavy, but it just narrows down, you know, mm-hmm. who will work for me. Right. It's it hard. Gets you know? rid of the wrong. Yeah, it weeds out or... a lot. So would you say that our hesitance to disclose anything really, the thing that we may be insecure about or feel like might be a deal breaker for the other person? Is our unwillingness to share that early doing us more harm than good by holding out and just being like, well, maybe they won't need to see this? Like, what, what are both of your thoughts on that? I'm currently in a mindset that all these things I keep having a dialogue in my head, that these are things that are, you know, negatives that I have to tell someone these horrible things I think about myself. I think that means there's just a lot more work to do on accepting who you are. That is probably my hardest thing, but I've been working so hard on it that I feel like it's it's not a hindrance. It's actually the opposite. I can't, I'm not going to say I can't have kids, but fertility is a huge issue for me. And I'm thinking, oh, great, now I've got to tell him, you know, I have herpes. I have possibly no ability to give you a child biologically. And that really bothered me for a while. But 
it's because I am worried it will bother them. It doesn't actually bother me because I want to be a foster parent. Maybe there's someone out there that wants to be a foster parent as passionately as me. That would be an amazing fit for me. Not saying I have to find that person, but... You know, it's a lot of dudes out here who got a whole bunch of kids. They do. They do. I've met met many. I've met many. (laughs) Sometimes the kids aren't disclosed at the beginning. (laughs) Or the wife. Or the wife. Yes. Oh, I just, I, I think it comes back to what both of you were saying. Like, it's, it's all about redirecting or directing you to who you're supposed to be directed to you know everything like everything that we feel like we either tell someone up front or eventually kind of comes out because maybe it wasn't like a you didn't think it would be something that you needed to say right away or maybe you were kind of keeping it for later um but I feel like uh if the person doesn't accept it then that's just not a good fit for you yeah um and wrapping up with my thoughts on this i think that the more we push things down it it, they just tend to come out the other side you don't really push things down in an effort of hiding them they're gonna come out so the way that those insecurities may show up are in ways that are unconscious so if i'm insecure about not having a car and I don't want to disclose that right away what that looks like is when I propose hangouts we meet there right or because I don't want to ask for a ride Mm -hmm. I may go into debt renting a car every time I'm hanging out with this person Mm -hmm. and trying to hold up this front and again I'm pushing this down and it's coming out on the other side in a way that's doing me more harm than good. If I'm not disclosing to someone that I'm in a relationship, for instance, and I'm non-monogamous, if that doesn't get disclosed, how does that show up by me pressing that down is I'm going to do a lot of sneaky shit Mm. in order to keep that person, uh, keep their interest in me because I fear that them hearing that I'm in a relationship is going to make them no longer interested or make them feel like they have to put themselves in the box or like I'm putting them in the box. So the list goes on with these things. Let's look into political views. Let's look at religious views. Uh, Let's look at even uh, disabilities and mental illness. You know, if I have a history of, um, for me, my grandmother, she died when I was about 13. She was bipolar or schizophrenic. Mm. My aunt, who's her daughter, is bipolar and schizophrenic. So for a while, I always thought, like once I learned about mental health and genetics and everything through my own self-education, I remember I called my dad. I was like, am I going to be, like, is this going to hit me at some point? Like, is there a gene that's just going to get activated where I'm going to become like my grandmother was or become like my aunt was, right? And so... Even with mental health, that makes me wonder about disclosing things like that. Like, at what point do you disclose Mm -hmm. that? And is that a deal breaker if someone is bipolar? Or is it something that can be considered more uh, attractive because a person acknowledges their insecurity? And a person who can acknowledge their insecurities or their, quote, flaws or things that they think other people 
are going to consider deal breakers when they're able to lean into those and acknowledge them they're able to also work on them and heal them and a person who's actively working on these things compared to a person who's very good at hiding these things those are two different types of um, potentials for connection because how this person responds to adversity and undesired situations reflects in everything they do how the other person who's hiding the insecurities reacts to adversity reflects it'll be more of like an avoidance or overcompensation i want to say mm-hmm. that was a lot that was a lot perfect sense yeah um but yeah these are all things to take into consideration especially with disclosures you know like not just what you have to disclose being exclusively limited to in relation to your sexuality because you could disclose probably a dozen other things before it even gets to that point to determine whether or not you and said person are even compatible and then you also got to look at what's not being disclosed to you so these are just two things to take into consideration and i really appreciate the whole connecting the dots analogy that we just all kind of talked through because that does in fact speak volumes to being in the process of dating and disclosing and you're like i'm just all over the place in dating my disclosures are going this way that way this way that way but again they're guiding you that's your gps disclosures your gps through the um through the process of finding the person or people that you're supposed to be with i mean the only way to get better at anything is to practice yeah, you don't get better at playing football by watching football. You get better at football <laughs> by playing football. It's the only way to do it. Um, so this weekend, just kind of a little bit of a recap. Uh, I would say there were maybe, what, 30 people, 30-ish? Yeah. yeah. And with COVID dying down, um, we'll be able to do more of this. And we took safety precautions. We had everyone get tested. We um, had a venue booked exclusively for our group. And, um, yeah, people were just able to socialize. And it was really nice to reconnect with people that I hadn't seen in a while um, and just have conversations, like in-person connection and communication. We see people in our work lives, but Mm -hmm. being able to see people in your work lives versus Mm -hmm. having a social life, that's a completely different (laughs) situation. Mm -hmm. So it was just a really pleasant thing to have, and I enjoyed being part of it like I enjoyed that I was able to find these groups I think the lady who uh, introduced me I don't even think she knows <laughs> that I don't think she knows like where her introduction into the groups has gotten me at least in my journey in being at the place where I'm at now to uh, have been able to communicate with and connect people to um, not only the podcast but also to the groups and community and this family that's being developed so um and we're just one of several different families that you really these groups are just so there's so many different ones and to a lot of people that aren't in the group that could be listening to this podcast um what would you say they should like where should they be before joining a group like this um all right so this is a good point to tell this story. So I remember when I first discovered that dating site that we won't name until they start writing a check. Uh, 
I was connected to, I was, I was having the time of my life. I didn't know what I was looking for and that was fine. Everything was long distance. Everything was casual. And I found the groups and before I'm, I'm kind of jumping. So prior to me finding the groups, but after I found this dating site that shall not be named, I recognized that I was self-exploring and discovering as I was engaging and interacting with people, not just women, but like people in like the chat rooms and things like that, who all have herpes. I was a different person in this online space with complete fucking strangers that only had this one thing in common than I was with my closest friends who I've known my entire life, right? Who I've played sports with, went to school with, who I've worked with and done all types of things with. And it took for one of my real life friends to be like, hey, something wrong? Like, you don't seem like yourself. And when he said that to me, I believe I was in my phone actually, like in the chat room, like I'm at a thing with friends and I'm more engaged with the online community of strangers than I was with my friends. And I, it, it just hit me. I was like, damn, I got to do something about this. I think that the question that arose was, do I like myself more here or here being online? And I was like, damn, I like myself way more online than I do in real life. How do I bring these two together? And so at that point, it was looking at the differentiators. People in real life didn't know I had herpes. These online strangers that I felt myself with knew I had herpes. So am I going to tell everybody I have herpes so that I can get past that and it just not be awkward anymore or what? And it wasn't really just that. It was that I was less worried about it. I was more free online than I was in person because there was always a hint of hopefully nobody ever finds out. I don't want them to find out. If they find out, then it's over. And a lot of my energy just went into keeping people from finding out that I had herpes. But at the same time, a lot of my energy went into these interactions online with people who knew that I had herpes. So it was a matter of eventually having to bring it together. So I say that to say this now going into the social groups and the in-person groups, I think that I had much more of a sense of self-identity in who I was at that point in time. Who I am now is not that person that I was at that point in time, but it was also just a matter of observing. Um, my first uh, event actually was a float trip and I'm in Missouri um, and the group here consists of people who don't look like me and what I mean by that are typically older white men and women who like to go camping and shit so it was a camping trip first one I ever been on float trip and again I this wouldn't have happened had I not had herpes I would have never connected with these people I never thought to go floating or camping or any of that and I did it and so having had that experience like I learned something about myself I learned that I um it's safe for me to self-explore, like explore things that are probably out of my comfort zone. And I think that that translated into a lot of other things too, just like sexual exploration and uh, exploring hobbies and interests and being more open-minded into doing things with friends that I wouldn't have normally done, like an escape room. 
like that that never appealed to me before but now that i got this newfound sense of curiosity and a willingness to explore um i'm able to take a lot more of that so i would say coming into these groups have like a sense of acceptance for yourself and perhaps you'll find that within the group whatever it is that you are looking for what you need who you need to be in order to get those like go into it with a sense of with intention with intention intention is the word do you want support do you want to date do you need a therapist do you need to just know that there are people out there and when you're able to answer any of these questions and move forward with intention and understand that intentions change and evolve as we do because when we get you may meet people who challenge you in a way who give you those redirects into becoming more of who you are now i'm just talking you look like you want to say something go ahead i mean as an adult how hard is it to find ways to meet cool people it is very difficult (laughs) and for those lucky people that have their core friend group and a way to get that outlet i mean if you've relocated or you you just your interests have changed from you know most of your friends for whatever reason it is just so difficult to find your new um, outlets for fun stuff i mean we're getting older we don't have to feel like we can't have fun anymore and i think these groups uh, herpes aside offer so much so much Mm -hmm. i don't know what else is that compares to it really yeah and i look at we don't have a cure for herpes we don't have a physical cure that will eliminate the herpes virus from your body completely the closest thing we have to a cure is community and the major symptom of herpes in itself is the stigma that takes place and the anti-stigma serum is community being able to just have a space of understanding i'm not saying that you have to indulge in the groups or indulge in any resource come take what you need and leave and that's what it's about be able to grow and evolve and if you come and you find what you like and you need and you want to continue to stay and continue to grow and evolve like there are people who have come into the groups who've been shy and nervous and ended up having the time of their lives and then open up and they become facilitators they help with coordinating the events help with transportation booking the hotels and the venues and the djs for events and coming up with creative ideas for themes and uh, managing teams for uh different challenges and stuff like that so it's this is something that definitely transfers into your day-to-day life outside of herpes because it's a matter of finding community period so if you're someone who may feel alone or lonely or just stuck stagnant try and find a community that you can give to and i think that in being willing to and able to give to whatever community it is you by default are receiving in turn and that's just how like healing works healing is an ongoing process it's never done and as you're healing people around you are healing and you're you're healing people through healing uh yourself so take make it a point to give yourself whatever it is that you need for yourself and that'll be um what you tend to give to others secondarily it's interesting there's people in the group that will go out of their way to make sure every first 
time person knows, hey, like, let me introduce you to 10 other people. Let I, Like, tell me about yourself. And, I mean, it's just like a welcome. It's not like it's very organic. It's natural. It's, you know, everyone in the group has different uh, gifts to offer the group. And some people are just like, hey, I was lost without this. Now I found it. So every new person that I know comes into the group, I want to make them feel as comfortable as I needed to fill in what this has offered to me. So, I mean... I think the first event or the first activity is the only scary one because (laughs) after that you're like, oh my gosh, the value in this and yeah, it's easy after that. Once you make the the first leap. Yes. (laughs) And that is how it was for me. That's that's what, that's the hardest part too. Um, You can't, when we think about even disclosing to a potential partner, I think that it's the same feeling of anxiety putting yourself out there because you don't know that this is 100% safe. Nothing really is. Mm-hmm. Disclosing to a partner may not be the safest thing because they could bring about your worst fear. Or this could be a person that you somehow are, they're in your life for forever, some way, right? But we're making a conscious choice to move forward or in not moving at all, reverting a bit, moving backwards. So we can move forward in the wrong direction and fuck up in our disclosures and again, be redirected. We can fuck up uh, in trying to find some type of a community and it just not be a fit, redirection into a different one. But not taking any action at all also comes with its own consequences of um, perhaps that anxiety amplifying or that voice in your head that's telling you how unworthy you are that's telling you how undesirable you are don't give that space don't allow for that to continue to validate don't validate the beliefs you have with your behavior of doing nothing invalidate that negativity that's what we should strive for and we can do so by taking positive action which is making a step into the direction of perhaps getting involved with the groups or just seeking support Mm -hmm. it's challenging to seek support we're not taught how to do it we don't know where to go but here it is you know if if nothing else if you get nothing else out of this podcast episode you know if you're someone who is just feeling stuck in this and thinking about it um hopefully the conversation here with myself laurie and katie is something that'll at least have you interested to the point where you would reach out. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. You got anything you want to add, Katie? <clears throat> I guess just one thing is I was hesitant at first. About, like, I was searching for a support, and I wanted like a community and acceptance, and I found it a little bit, and I was like comfortable with that, and then I was told about the opportunity of the groups and like events and just which kind of would allow me more face to face and more like because the online part is actually pretty um it's it's a lot just that step yeah that was really helpful but I was given kind of this other opportunity and I don't think I was ready um because I was like whoa no 
I'm not. That's crazy. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, if there's a group of people <laughs> yeah. with herpes, I was like, they, all, they have all have herpes, herpes? <laughs> and we're going to be like together. Um, Is that going to make the super herpes? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was very hesitant about that. But about a year later, um, I was ready. And I was just like, okay, I'm ready now. And what so, had to happen over that year, though, for you um, to be ready? I think I just need, I, I wasn't okay with things myself yet I think like I I needed to be more comfortable with me again um and I was able to get a little bit of um support and able to talk with people but I also had to figure me out and you know get myself where I needed to be and you talked about that a little bit um too but I, I I wasn't happy with me and so it was just a process, I think, that I needed more time. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what it was. I just needed more time because for me, um, I just wasn't ready yet or I wasn't in that part of my process yet. Mm-hmm. But um, that, that was a few that years kind ago. kind of like I'm not quite accepting this diagnosis yet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I was probably, um, I'm trying to think, it was probably like the same day. It was probably like three months after my I ended that mm-hmm. relationship that I was in, and so I was just getting kind of out there. It's like you <clears throat> found out, yeah, kind of slid through a, a decent three years yes. of coping, mm-hmm. and then having to actually start your right. process. Yes, yeah. yeah, my process was definitely kind of put on mm-hmm. hold, or maybe that time was just part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. What stands out to me more than anything is that these groups are for people with herpes to get, like, a healing to occur because of the herpes, but it's not about the herpes. Just to remind you that you can just live and have anything you want and need in life. I know that's that's quite the stretch, but (laughs) no, really, it's like... (laughs) The herpes part isn't even. It's I not the biggest deal. No. Because, mm-hmm. again, you know, taking it back to things to disclose, uh, what else are what else is there that we need to work on with ourselves? Like how Katie, you just said you weren't where you needed to be with yourself. And yeah. then you were able to take a step. And I'm sure that since finding the groups and having dealt with or dealing with uh, the herpes stigma in itself, there might have been other things that you can now move on to that were probably there and more prevalent than herpes was. And I think mm-hmm. that's the same thing for a lot of us. So, yeah, it don't make it, like, really about the herpes. This is a piece of it. It's one... Motorcycles. It's a piece of uh, the equation. It's not the formula, right? Mm-hmm. So... Again, this is just something that encourages us to continue to take whatever it is that the lesson that comes with our herpes diagnosis gives us and apply that to everywhere else in your life. Other things that can be worked on and healed from and dealt with and just explored. Like I said, with my experience, I learned self-exploration. I learned a lot about myself throughout that process. And I think that a lot of us really do. Yeah, I think it's interesting we started this conversation when you said you're trying to figure out where you got it. 
and I and I don't. Did you say if you? No. I don't really know. I mean, because technically, I could have had it when I started that relationship. You know. I wonder what it means to us to know for for those of us that don't know where we got it. I wonder what that means for us to really know. What will it change for you? Because you're on that right now. Yeah. So I always said up until this point, it's probably best that I didn't know because I didn't have anyone to point the finger at. I, I am at the point now where if I find out that this is that she also has it, then it's then it's possible. What does it change for you? It doesn't change anything mm-hmm. except for the fact that I can like, I guess, heal from something that may I may not have known was there. Because on an unconscious level, like I am very committed to uh, the relationships that are built as a result of having this podcast, like connecting with everybody and doing these interviews. Um, and this interaction will have been the thing that would have quote sparked my purpose, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So for me to know now, if I knew then, I think it would have been you, 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 and that would have been the case. Or, you know, it could have been me that gave it to her and then she had that feeling of wanting to do something to herself and now I can just apologize and be like, hey, I didn't know and have a conversation. But I think that it offers this sense of clarity that perhaps there's some energy that's tied with not knowing there that I can clear up. So whether she says, yes, she has it or no, she doesn't have it or yes, she might have given it to me or didn't, like how is it important? Um, who isn't really important, but for me to be able to ultimately just be like, thanks or sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been in this uh, deep thought for a while. I wish I knew who gave it to me for the sole purpose of letting them know they're not alone. I mm-hmm. don't blame them for anything, whether they knew or not. Now going through it, the mistakes I've made in disclosures and dating and rejection and I, I just want to empathize with them and and maybe invite them to the resources. Like, I hold no, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's actually knowing myself well enough. If I had known who it was, I could always present that to my disclosures or whomever I'm dating as the victim card. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that when I don't know where it came from. And I think that helped me in the long run, not knowing. I'm glad you brought that up um, to this episode, too, because uh, I was kind of thinking, I was like, why would I bring that up about my disclosure or figuring out uh, whether or not this person has herpes even? Let's just let's just consistently say that figure out if this person has herpes or not. Um, But yeah, I think that being able to say thank you or apologize is something that is like a a bonus here because why else would I have just had this random ass thought of, I think I know who it was or not even not to say it that way, but maybe it's a matter of me now being ready mm-hmm. to, if that's the case, engage eight years you know, after I found out because um, it could have happened the first time we had sex, could have happened the last time we had sex. There mm-hmm. were that's years there. So to know exactly where that spark or that that um the whatever bit of encouragement or nudge f- 
from the universe came from in her suicide attempt and that experience that we had and now how I respond to suicide and wanting to do something about it like if that's a driving force there it'd just be cool to know would it change anything probably not I'd probably be like oh my god I got this extra validation and a confirmation from the universe that I'm where I'm supposed to be <laughs> but I'm at a point now where I really don't I don't necessarily need that but we done already started the dialogue so it's like all right we're gonna keep the small talk going and I'm just asked like oh hey you know this is what I'm doing now and see where the conversation goes so um, I'll make sure to offer that update of course I'm not gonna say any names or <laughs> give any additional details about her but uh, yeah I'm, I'm a little bit nervous a little excited to uh, be acting on that gentle whisper from wherever it came from uh, to be able to do that but yeah it's not it's a good question to ask yourself if I did know who gave me herpes or who I got herpes from would it have changed anything because I think for a lot of us yeah <laughs> not knowing you don't have anybody to blame knowing mm -hmm. you do have somebody to blame and I look at how I see people blame herpes for their being single their lack of success in life their inability to socialize and they're just like angry about mm -hmm. it or bitter about it and so when we can take ownership and just be like I'm gonna not blame so-and-so I'm not gonna blame this virus I am going to do I'm gonna take action I'm gonna go against my beliefs about what it is these negative beliefs I'm gonna challenge those and I'm gonna act in a positive uh, way with my behavior yeah I definitely agree with that this is a pretty decent spot for us to close out if anybody has anything they want to add up here no I think I think that was it for today thank All you right. That was good. I appreciate both of y'all for being willing to come share with me. I kind of kidnapped you, Katie. This worked <laughs> out okay. perfectly. This worked out <laughs> so well. Yeah, um, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share this podcast in whatever communities you need to. If you know someone who may need to hear this on an individual level, go ahead and share it with them. And uh, I can be found on social media at H on my chest. Don't forget about those uh, surveys that are coming. At this point, they should be out, and the link will be in the podcast description or show notes for you to just fill in the survey. We're collecting the data that is 2021 relevant. I got a team of people helping me with the surveys. I got medical professionals that are gonna look over it and offer some insights as well. And these surveys are going to provide us with accurate data. My goal is to get a thousand people to take this survey so that we can look at how transmissions are occurring from their relationships, how people in same-sex relationships or multiple types of sex, I don't know how to say this, uh, queer relationships, LGBT relationships, and HSV transmission. These are the kinds of things that we're trying to get because we just don't have. And again, if you're participating in this, like you are sparking, this is your act against stigma. 
and we're creating the resource from the best place possible which is us we are the resource we are the ones with the experiences so get the data from us so in contributing to this you're contributing to the resource that hopefully will go on to be part of some major research study that gives us more up-to-date information on uh, HSV statistics who has it how are people in relationships navigating them people who are sexually active what are they doing to take precautions what's the what's happened we're not looking at the possibilities but we're looking at what's happened from person to person experience so please if you're hearing this if you see this posted on social media please take the survey till next time stay sex positive